1: What were the Bills fans doing at the airport at 2 a.m. on a Sunday morning in the sub-freezing temperatures, and why is a selfie hanging in a Buffalo gallery? We'll answer those questions shortly when the Bills mafia joins us, arguably the most loyal and diehard fans in the NFL. Happy ugly Christmas sweater day. That's the third Friday. In December, for those of you not paying attention, get with it. Go get changed. And LeBron may be the king, but the kings of the NBA right now reside in Milwaukee. It's a football Friday, though, here on Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter, the smartest way to hire. Check them out, ZipRecruiter.com. Slash enter Yes, some loyal Bills fans will join us on this football Friday as will Corey Majors 105.3, the fan to preview the Eagles-Cowboys game of the weekend on Sunday in Philly. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut, Ross Tucker's home in Pennsylvania, and we are rocking the ugly Christmas sweaters on the 3rd December, 3rd Friday of December. Mine's Broncos, yours is... We are, baby.
0: We are.
1: Here's the thing with ugly Christmas sweaters, Ross. They've kind of jumped the shark. They're so absurd now that they've got lights, bells, whistles, stockings, stars, absurd phrases, drugs, sexual references. That's why I'm just going back to the norm. Where I'm happy, at its most basic, the trend has, I think, gotten away from us a little bit. I like yours all as right, well. So
0: first, so first of all, today is an actual ugly Christmas sweater. I thought we were just doing it for the show. I didn't know today was actually ugly Christmas sweater day.
1: It is the third Friday in December every year. That is today. We are marking the occasion, sir.
0: I didn't know that. Uh, very cool. So, all right, here's the thing that's weird about mine. It's the only ugly Christmas sweater I have. My wife said, you know, it's really not that Christmassy. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, it's like Penn State. I said, well, then when am I supposed to to wear the ugly Penn State sweater? Like, if this doesn't qualify as an ugly Christmas sweater, because it's not Christmassy enough, then when the hell are you supposed to wear this thing?
1: That is the only time of year. And hopefully you're all watching us on the radio.com app and you're able to see the sweaters we're speaking of Penn state, Denver Broncos, nothing crazy, nothing absurd. The only ugly Christmas sweaters that I actually like now are the originals, like the real old school sweaters that were intended to be nice that your dad maybe your grandpa might still wear and think is actually attractive. Those I think are really cool. The retro ones, but like I bought one Ross, I went to Michael's the other day and I buy everything at Michael's because I'm a sucker for a sale and Michael's like sends you a coupon pretty much every week and suckers like me, like I don't need anything but if you give me a 50% coupon, I'm going to Michael's dude. I'm getting something 50% off. And this baby Ross, I got for 60% off. You see that baby? That was $12. Yes. And you know, it's got like, I like it. Yeah. 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 So, you know, do, do you think the trend has gone too far though?
0: You know what? I almost can never go to Christmas parties. I almost, I don't think I, I think I've been to one ugly Christmas sweater party in my whole life. Because I'm right? always away on weekends. I'm always away. Like the, the the Christmas party for my brother-in-law and sister-in-law it's tomorrow night. I'm missing it again. I'll be in new England for the bills Patriots game. So I hasn't jumped the shark for me. Has not gone too far? Cause I never get to be a part of it.
1: <laughs> you are the no show at the Christmas parties. Your poor wife, man. That's like my wife. For the last several years, she's gone everywhere without me because I go to bed at 8 o'clock. By the way, footnote, those days are over. Today, Ross Tucker, my last day at CNN. Um, no more 8 o'clock bedtime, no more 1.30 wake-up, no more Excedrin, no more Visine, and hopefully a little happier Dave Briggs in 2020
0: yes i love it good for you man that's good news good news that job was killing you i know it was a good job but wow nobody's supposed to wake up at 1:30 a.m
1: oh man it it was a rough go but thanks to all of you who did listen watch whatever my days at cnn and thank you for being here ross will be at the bills patriots game on saturday speaking of arguably the most dedicated and loyal and rowdy fan base in the NFL. Joining us now, out of the gate, Ali Abbas, uh, who is part of the Hardcore Bills Mafia. What's up, fellas? Happy Friday morning.
3: How's it going? Thanks for having us. Uh, Thank you for
1: coming on, dudes. We, We much appreciate it. So you guys... We're at the Buffalo Airport at 2 a.m. in the sub-freezing temperatures after the Bills clinched a playoff spot. Why the hell did you go to the airport at 2 a.m. in the freezing cold? Well,
3: it all was my buddy's ex over here. It was his idea. And after uh, Josh Allen touched down, he just said, hey, we actually have a chance of going to the playoffs, so let's go to the airport. It's pretty much that's. Yeah, that's how it happened. Josh scored his touchdown, and there there are four of us sitting right here. Um, we got done we got done celebrating, jumping up and down, and I was just kind of like, you know, let's let's go to the airport if we win. You know, there's going to be people there, so might as well.
0: All right. So where do you guys live in Buffalo? How far are you from the airport?
3: From the airport, we're probably about 20-25 minutes. We live within walking distance from the stadium, um, right by Frontier High School.
0: Okay, I know where that is. Uh, That is awesome. So you didn't even, you you wanted to go out to the airport. All right, let me take a step back. How old are you guys?
3: Well, uh, I'm 19. I'm 21.
0: Okay, so I guess you're lifelong Bills fans, but that's what, about like 15 years?
3: (laughs) Well, uh, I just got in the United States in late 2012, and I just got uh, into the football and the Bills, like, couple years ago with the help of my buddy Zach Mitch, Alex Clown, Kevin Lavelle.
0: Nice. Nice shout outs, by the way. That's key. You got to shout out your boys when you get on a show like this. So I like it. All right. So you guys haven't even been like, you're not even really long suffering Bills fans. You're not even like, you haven't even seen most of the 20 years since they've had 10 wins in 1999.
3: That's that's fair, uh, especially especially with, you know, sorry, Ellie, with me, with me living here my whole life, you know, yeah. Ross, to be fair, it, it it is, you know, long suffering because all, all I've known is is losing until, you know, we broke the drought on 2017. Um, and I think part of the part of the reason why I wanted to go to the airport is because we didn't go the first time. So I, you know, I knowing knowing we couldn't pass this one up, had to go.
1: So,
0: All so, right, Zach, so two years ago, go ahead, Dave. Where does Ross Tucker
1: rank in the all-time Buffalo Bills legends to you?
3: Dave, you're putting me on the spot here, man.
0: Ross, Dave, Dave, Don't do that. Wait, no, listen <laughs> to me. He's 19. He's 19. He was born in 2000, Okay. When I was there in 2003 through 2005, he was three to five years old. He never even saw me play. You guys need to Google or YouTube or something. You guys are making me feel old as shit. I hate both of you now immediately. I love Bill's Mafia, but I hate you (laughs) too.
3: Look, I always say you can't please everyone, so...
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's all right. All right. All right. So here's the coolest thing. Uh, Well, there's a lot of cool things about this selfie you guys got with Josh Allen, the quarterback of the Bills. Number one, how did you get Josh's attention? Did you ever imagine that he would take the phone and get the selfie? And then I want to talk about what happened with that selfie next. Zach, to you. Um,
3: I put, uh, so as the charter was pulling up, um, I didn't have enough battery life on my phone. So I wanted to get, I wanted to, you know, have someone record, you know, the guys getting off the plane and stuff. So I, uh, uh, we broke, me and Ali broke off from our other two buddies, Alex and Kevin, uh, that were mentioned earlier. Um, and we, uh, I, I put him up on my shoulders and it was like, you know, can you, can you, you know, record them getting off the plane for us? And um, we noticed that uh, along the second fence there, there was, uh, you know, less of a crowd. So probably within the first five minutes, we walked, you know, I, with him on my shoulders, walked, uh, you know, walked over there to, you know, kind of get a better view of them walking into the building. And uh, Josh was one of the last ones off the plane. And um, from, from what I could tell from, you know, my vantage point and later seeing the video from the Bills, um, it was just kind of a, a quick gesture, you know, uh, uh, to, you know, grabbing the phone and, and taking the pictures and giving it back. I don't really know if he said anything to, to, to us, but yeah, it was just, it, it, and it all happened so quick. It, it was crazy.
1: So this thing ends up in a gallery at the Albright Knox gallery in Buffalo. And there's a picture, not just of the selfie, but of the tweet. Screenshot whole thing. How did this thing wind up in a gallery and how cool is that for you guys? Well,
3: that was like really like surreal moment. This is like when me and Zach like just realized, hey, we hit it. Like, we're the Bills Mafia. Like, I don't know. Just a very fantastic moment. And uh, they actually cut my face, but it's cool. I'm so made of, you know, my hashtag is over there. So <laughs> I still got love for them, you know.
0: So wait a minute. What about your two buddies that weren't in the picture, weren't at the museum? They're not on the show right now. I mean, dude, I know you gave them a shout out, but they're getting none of the love that you guys are getting.
3: That's funny you mentioned that because, Al,
0: come
1: here.
3: Come here. Uh-oh. Our fourth party Kevin's at work. So he couldn't make it, but we're at, we're at his house. So, I mean,
4: this is where we're hanging out before the game and we come here for a lot of sports and stuff.
0: I like it. All right. Here's the next question. Okay. The bills beat the Steelers. It was awesome. I love the bills. I love bills mafia, but you know that the planes not getting the airport for like a couple hours. So set the scene for me. What were you guys doing for those two hours before you drove out to the airport?
3: So right after the game um, I, I was scrolling I was scrolling Twitter frantically trying to cuz usually usually there'll be one or two people who will go right to the to the websites of the the airlines and figure out which plane you know the bills are on and they'll you know they'll be like oh hey you know ETA's here I couldn't find that, so what I did was started calling the local news outlets to try to figure out a time. And um, between the three the three outlets I called, I kind of you know got an idea that it was between 1:30 and two. So we had a lot, uh, a little time to kill. That was probably what 12:30. So we had a little time to kill before we started going to the airport. So you know we did our celebrating and whatnot, and made our way there, got there probably 1:15 ish, and there was already two, three hundred people there. I mean, it, it was just it was it was a sight to see.
1: Okay, so new guy. Are, are you Al? Or- yes. New, new guy's Al. All right, so for those that have not experienced the Bills Mafia, the passion, the dedication, the, the rowdiness of the Bills home fan base, how would you describe it?
4: Uh, it's unlike anything else in the rest of the league. I mean, I don't think anyone else goes to the airport over making the playoffs now. Some of it could be because we haven't. Experienced that much winning in a while, but I mean it's just a family atmosphere, really. Like Zach described it in um, one of the articles. Like uh, you know, when you, you when you're just at a tailgate, you know, everyone you walk by, it's just you know you don't know them, but you do at the same time because it's, you know we're all supporting the same team, we all want the same thing, and that's to win a Super Bowl. So.
3: I think it helps that we've been bad for so long, that you know, going going to games in late December when it's you know, two feet of snow, and that I think that really that that really speaks to the players too that right. have come through. And Ross, you could probably attest to that.
0: No, you guys are awesome. I love it. Yeah, I played for five teams: Redskins, Cowboys, Bills, Patriots, Browns. The Bills were my favorite team by a decent amount. My wife would say the same thing. Loved it up there. Would uh, crush Labatt Blue at the Big Tree Inn right there down the street from the stadium. Hopefully you guys go. 19-year-old, get a fake ID if you don't have one yet. You need that. That's key. Um, they, probably, they, probably, they probably don't even card you in Buffalo. That's what's amazing about it. But anyway, I digress. I got to talk to you guys about something. My co-host, Pretty Boy Dave, okay, He's not buying this Bills team at all. He's not buying Josh Allen at all. I told him, look, you can win this way. You can win with defense. You can win. Look, look, he, he got a Broncos thing on. He thinks the Bills have no shot at doing anything in the playoffs. So please, I'll give you the floor. Call him a loser. Tell him he needs facial hair, whatever you'd like to do. Or just tell him he's wrong about the Bills and why.
4: You want to start him? Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, this, we, we've seen it on Sunday night. We saw it on Thanksgiving Day. This defense is for real. Um, you know, and we've seen uh, the offense. I mean, Allen has his ups and downs. Um, but our running game has, you know, been growing. Devin Singletary has getting better and better every you, week.
1: You're putting me to sleep. You're putting me to sleep, Al. You're not convincing me I'm okay. wrong. OK, I mean,
4: wearing a Bronco sweatshirt, we smoked them two weeks ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, how many, yeah, how many Super Bowls that's, that's, do you guys that's have? That's for Josh
4: Allen, too. And so. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Listen, you know Tom Brady. The, the Pagulas are great. Tom Brady owns the Bills. It's not the Bagulas. It's Tom Brady. Because Josh Allen is just mediocre. It's just what he is, Zach. He threw three interceptions the last time against the Patriots, and he will do it again. And that's why the Patriots will kick their ass tomorrow, and Tom Brady will go to 32 and 3 against your team. Tell me how I'm wrong, Zach. <sighs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Same time, perfect.
4: <for> <laughs> Same Tom Brady. All right. Dave, what, what, I, what, I, what I
3: will say is when when it was in Buffalo, it was a defensive slugfest. I mean, Brady looked uh, mediocre and looked mediocre when he uh, until he went out. Um, I'm I'm personally expecting another defensive battle tomorrow. Um, I know I just saw Adelman's going to play, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's his, this will be his first game of the season. So I mean, he yeah. Adelman? No, he's been. Playing. Has he been playing? Yeah, he's been playing. I'm sorry. I've
1: been helping you all year.
3: Zach.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. That was the be- hey, hey, that you. was that. the last two minutes were the best part of the whole interview. When Dave said <laughs> the Brady thing and you're like, oh shit. And then you said Edelman's flight. That was the best part of the whole interview. That was amazing. Look, nobody cares what you guys know or don't know. Don't worry about it, Zach. You guys went to the airport. You love your bills. That's what matters. You still haven't told me how you celebrated for that hour and a half, probably because you're under 21 and your parents are watching. I get it. No worries. You guys are awesome. Thank you for coming on the show.
3: Thank you for for having us. Yeah, thanks.
0: All
1: right, thanks, fellas. We appreciate it. Man, I thought I was going to get some, at least some – Mild pushback to the fact that Tom Brady owns the Bills, but nothing, man. I think they just confirmed uh, what I think of the Buffalo Bills offense,
0: at least. Well, listen, Tom Brady does own the Buffalo Bills. Th- that's that's not even disputable. But they can change that tomorrow. Like right. it's a standalone game. It's Bills Patriots. I'm going to be there. It's the only game on. Everybody will be watching. This is not a good Patriots team. The Bills have a great chance to surprise a lot of people and win this game. And that would, by the way, be doing the Chiefs a gigantic favor because that could be the difference between the two seed and the three seed for the Kansas City Chiefs. But I think the Bills have a golden opportunity here. I I really do. I, I think... Look, I don't think there's going to be very many points in the game. It's going to be, Dave, like 16, 13. And whoever gets the pick six, Stefan Gilmore or Tredavious White, that's who's probably going to win the game. But you know what you need to do for people like Zach or you to start to mm-hmm. believe? You got to make it happen. You got to go and take it. You know what I mean? Like, it, like, Things in life, here's a little life lesson, okay? Life hack of the morning with Ross Tucker. Things don't just happen. You make them happen in life. You don't just want something. You take it. And the Buffalo Bills need to go to New England and take their respect. They need to take it and rip it away from the Patriots. They're not going to win the division because the Patriots are still going to beat the Dolphins in Week 17. So that's not going to happen, but that doesn't matter, really. What matters now is if the Bills go in to New England and they win that game after winning in Dallas on Thanksgiving, in Pittsburgh on Sunday Night Football, it'll be their third win over a team with a winning record in a standalone game on the road. And everybody that doesn't respect them can just suck it because that's impressive. Well
1: said, my friend, I do believe this is a very good team. Um, How I felt earlier this year about Kyle Allen is similar to how I feel about Josh Allen. Very great, talented quarterbacks, good leaders, guys that can win you football games, but at the quarterback position, There's only two kinds. There's guys that are going to win rings and guys that are not going to win rings. And to me, Josh Allen falls in that latter category. He's just too rough around the edges. He's too unpredictable. He's not a guy that's going to win a ring. And that hurts for a Buffalo fan base that has lost far too many Super Bowls. This is their opportunity. Julian Edelman is hurt. This is their golden opportunity. Because Sanu has not been the guy the Patriots needed. He has dropped some key passes, and if he can't have his breakout game this weekend, then I don't think they're really going to get anything from Sanu. But this is the moment the, the uh, Buffalo Bills have to take advantage of. What I thought the fellas were going to say to me is the last time around, Brady wasn't mediocre. Brady stunk in Buffalo. He was 18-39, of 39, no touchdowns, won interception, and quite frankly, offered nothing for New England and kind of started the the backslide for Brady. But Josh Allen was just worse. He threw three interceptions. He threw no touchdowns. He was 13-28, Into me, that's just who he is. He's a guy that puts up those numbers but somehow manages to win you a football game. I, I don't have any confidence that Buffalo can go to New England and win, but if they're ever going to do it, this has to be the time. If I'm betting, if you made me bet this game, I'm definitely taking New England because their defense is going to score two touchdowns. What about you at six and a half points?
0: Oh, I like the Bills. I I don't just like the Bills. I love the Bills getting the six and a half points. The total for the game is like 37. That means the score is going to be like 20 to 17. Six and a half points is a lot when the total is that low. I love the Bills getting six and a half. Look, I think Josh Allen threw four picks when they played earlier in the year. And they only lost 16-10. So, if they had the six and a half points that game, you win that bet. Uh, You know, the only thing that makes me a little bit nervous is the Bills coming off of a big win on Sunday Night Football after they were flexed into it against the Steelers, clinched the playoffs, That's the only part of this that makes me a little bit nervous. Like, how do they handle success? How do they handle prosperity? And I'm hoping they run the ball with Josh Allen a decent amount. That's something he does very well and could be the difference in this game. But I love the Buffalo Bills getting the six and a half points. That was one of my best bets of the week. Okay,
1: can't wait for that one. And I just can't wait for this outstanding Saturday as a whole Three games on Saturday, all with implications for the postseason. We're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll dive into one of the other games as the Texans take on the smoking hot Tampa Bay Bucks, who are just on fire. We'll also break down Cowboys and Eagles. And yeah, LeBron might be the king, but the kings of the NBA— They reside in Milwaukee. We'll talk to Steve Cerruti of Scallon Pals. Are they, without a doubt, the best team in the NBA after a quick break and a word from our friends at ZipRecruiter, Ross? Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without autopay pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance
2: agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't wait to talk about this Texans-Bucks game because nobody likes Jameis Winston as much as Dave Briggs. He should be the charter member of the Jameis Winston fan club. And maybe there already is a Charter member of the Jameis Winston fan club. I don't know if there is, or if you're starting one and you need to hire someone to be the charter member other than Dave, you go to ZipRecruiter, like Codable co founder Gretchen Huebner, who experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow with her education tech company. But then she switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. You can too. By signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And by using ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best ones than find the right one. In fact, after posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she was honestly... Surprise, she found qualified applicants so quickly and hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com Slash E N T E R zip recruiter, the smartest way to hire. It's a
1: bloody Mary Friday and action packed Saturday lies ahead in the NFL. Three games, all playoff implications or the Milwaukee Bucks, the best team in the NBA and is Giannis clearly the king of the NBA boy. Was he shining with five threes? as they are 3-0 against the two Los Angeles basketball teams. We'll talk to Steve Cerruti, Scallum Pals, in just a couple of minutes. Home and home Sports Original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter, the smartest way to hire. Check them out, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker's home in Pennsylvania before he heads to New England to call the Bills-Patriots game on Westwood One Radio. We broke that one down, but what about another very intriguing game? Houston Texans looking to claim their fourth AFC South title in the last five years. They take on the smoking hot, believe it or not, Tampa Bay Bucs, who have not just won four straight games, they've done it, scoring 34-plus points per game. My man, a Florida man, Jameis Winston, 450 yards passing in consecutive games. He's the first in NFL history to do that. But that comes to a close here. No Chris Godwin, no Mike Evans, and I'm afraid, Ross Tucker, no chance for Tampa Bay without two of the, boy, top 10 wide receivers in the league those two are.
0: Well, there's no doubt about that, Dave. They absolutely are. And I really believe that the Bucks are going to bring back Jameis Winston next year. I think they should. They've won four games in a row. And I think Bruce Arians probably thinks, you know what? Another year with me getting to work with this guy and an entire offseason, I really just need to cut down on 20% of his interceptions, maybe, just – Four or five less interceptions, they could be in a really good place. Now, maybe the flip side is Arians looks at it and says, you know what? With my offensive system and with these receivers, anybody could be putting up these numbers. We need a guy that's not going to throw interceptions. I just don't think that's how Bruce Arians rolls. You know, he says, no risk it, no biscuit. Like that's his deal, right? Like Bruce Arians believes in chucking it and taking your chances and. Thinks that that's the right way to play football. So I kind of think Jameis is a good fit for him there. So I'm sure they'll try to get him back on a one year favorable deal, 20 million, 25 million. If they have to, I'm sure they'll franchise tag him, which I think is the right move. I think they probably should give this thing one more chance, run it back again. But that's not going to help him, I don't think, tomorrow. Uh, You know, he's going to be throwing to primarily Ivy League guys, which. Look, I love Ivy League guys that are able to make the NFL. I'm not sure you want that to be almost your entire <laughs> skill player arsenal in an NFL game. Cam Braith, the tight end, Justin Watson at receiver, the other receivers, Prashad Perriman, who's on like his fourth team, even though he had a good game last week against the Lions. I think you got to be a little careful there if you're the Bucs. Now, the thing for the Texans is their pass defense hasn't been very good. But if they win this game, They are in great shape. I believe they clinched the division in the AFC South. That's all they need to do. I think they'll take care of business. I think they'll get it done. But Winston's thrown for a lot of yards even after Godwin got hurt, and even after Evans didn't play. So he at least gives them a puncher's chance. Jameis Winston might be the only player in the NFL that gives both his team and the opponent a chance to win every time out. Yeah,
1: look, I I admit I am a bit obsessed with Jameis Winston. He's one of the few guys that I just like to watch him play. And some of it's comical, but a lot of it is just incredible athletic ability. I would love to see him iron out the inconsistencies, but he's not going to do that. He's not going to throw fewer than 10 interceptions. It'd be hard to imagine him throwing under 15. He definitely gets at least the franchise tag, if not a short extension, maybe two years uh still going to be pretty massive money given the yards, given the potential for him for Houston, just wildly inconsistent need to see a team that can iron out their ups and downs. Speaking of Winston, you cannot lose to my beloved Denver Broncos, not a good football team. Yes. Talented young quarterback, but those last couple of weeks, are they the team that beat Tennessee or the team that lost to the Denver Broncos too inconsistent? Yes. They'll probably win the division, are they a real threat? Hard to imagine it, given the inconsistencies of the team. But there's a glimmer of hope. In Houston, J.J. Watt tweeted, It's not over, though, yesterday. And he apparently is determined to return for the playoffs after tearing his peck. How
0: tough is this dude? How big a difference would it make for them? He's very tough. He makes a huge difference. I don't know how well he'd be able to function. With a torn pec like that, I don't know where he is in the rehab process. We've talked about it before. He's a guy that, in my mind, should start to consider how long he wants to play this game. He is now racking up the surgeries. And most of the time, Dave, even if the surgery fixes what the injury was, Man, that still becomes an issue for guys later on down the line. I mean, my back still bothers me. Uh, my hernia really doesn't. Uh, but <laughs> my toe, I, I just, I'm just telling you, man, I, at some point, you got to think, I've made so much money. How much more abuse do I want to do to my body? And the thing is, is when you're in it, Dave, when you're in your mm-hmm. 20s or even maybe early 30s, You still feel invincible and you know, you can play and you like playing and you want, you don't think as much about being 40 when you're 30 or 50 or 60 or 70. And I just think these guys, I think is JJ Watt the oldest of the brothers. I think he is. I think if he had older brothers, they might be like, dude, you gotta, you gotta think about shutting this down. You know, hopefully you're going to get married, (laughs) have kids, the whole deal at some point. Like, you don't like you. don't want to be totally beat to shit for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah, got got to be careful. As his, his younger brother looks like a future defensive player of the year, uh, it maybe this year. Yeah, T.J. Watt has just been unbelievable. Speaking of an injury being the primary focus of a game, no injury is more important in the NFL this weekend than the AC joint of Dak Prescott. Jerry Jones says he's not worried about Dak playing at the Eagles on Sunday. And Dak says he'll be good to go. Cowboys now just a a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, Interesting sound emerging from our friends at WIP Sports Radio in Philadelphia. Michael Irvin was on talking with the fellas about all things Cowboys and Eagles and was asked about Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott and went into the leadership of Dak Prescott, obviously said that's the quarterback he'd prefer in that matchup, but why is very interesting. Listen to the former Cowboys great, the Hall of Famer Michael Irvin on WIP. Which quarterback would you rather have in this game, Carson or Dak? Uh, and,
4: I, and I do like both of those quarterbacks. I don't, you know, people are. Dak has way more wins right now. I was studying that the other day than Carson Wentz, and 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 I love that. I love Dak Prescott. I love him from his I, I love him for what he does on the football field but even more than that his leadership the team loves playing for him um you know and mm. not not even mention that that he's a mixture of two races and 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 it's, it it's it's a subliminal of what good comes from us race uh, from from races mixing together that you know I I love that about mm. Dak. And, and both respond to him in that locker room the black athlete the white athlete both respond to him well
1: That's Michael Irvin, the Hall of Famer on WIP Sports Radio in Philadelphia. And Ross, I got to tell you, I heard that yesterday and I thought, huh? Why did he bring in race? Because to me, what I heard there is, do the black players not relate well to Carson Wentz? It felt like to me, that's what Irvin was trying to subtly suggest. Or did I take that totally out of context?
0: I think you took that out of context. I, okay. I didn't get right. that sense at all. Now, when I saw it in print, I thought that's kind of a weird thing to say on Philly radio when there had been some, you know, chatter about Wentz's leadership and some guys speaking out. It's a weird thing for him to say. I don't even and know to be honest yet, how players, familiar. Right? right. I don't they even were black know how players, familiar. Yeah. Michael Irvin is or was with Mm. those stories in Philadelphia and hearing him now, I don't think it had anything to do with that at all. I think he Mm. just feels like Dak is a tremendous leader for the Cowboys and it's a big reason for their success and that, uh, you know, both the white guys and the African-American guys that they all really respect him and, I guess Michael Irvin's hypothesis is that Dak being of mixed race, that that contributes to that positively. I guess my big takeaway, Dave, is it's kind of a weird thing to say. It's a weird thing to bring up. You don't talk about stuff like that very often. And frankly, I disagree with him. You know, whether Dak was white, African-American, or mixed race, I feel like the way he goes about his business – playing every week, being durable, being a good player. I feel like that is why he's a good leader and respected by the guys. I don't think anybody's sitting there, certainly not yeah. consciously, and thinking, well, he's, he's mixed race, and I like that part of him is my— I, I, I don't really understand that one.
1: Well, you're the perfect guy to talk to about this, and I have two questions. And number one, you're very close to this Philadelphia team. You not only live in Pennsylvania, you cover this team. You've been on the sidelines and in the booth. You've heard some of the suggestions about players relating to or friction between Carson Wentz and certain skill players. One, do you believe that and why is that? And two, in your playing career as an offensive lineman, did you ever see a divide between the way a quarterback is able to lead and the way the players were able to respond to that quarterback, did you ever see a split by race? And that's why those words really caught me off guard.
0: No, you know what I'm thinking, Dave, about the different teams I was in, and I and I never I, I never noticed that. I never that was never an issue. Now we didn't have a lot of situations where perhaps there was a quarterback competition between a white quarterback and an African-American. It sounds like there have been times on other teams that that has been the case and that there has kind of been a divide in the locker room somewhat along racial lines. You know, I'm thinking back to some of the quarterbacks I had, you know, guys like Tony banks and Quincy Carter. And I don't really remember that ever being an issue. At least not that I noticed. You know what I mean? I was 22, 23 and, you know, trying to do my job. Certainly not at least that I noticed at all. As for the Eagles, you know, there's been speculation as to who the anonymous source has been. And I don't know if it's multiple guys, Dave, or just one guy who just wants the ball more or just one guy that feels like maybe Wentz does not heed his input as much as he would like. I, I really don't know. But I, I think you get into a difficult spot commenting on anonymous sources, especially mm-hmm. trying to tie race into it. I mean, that we, we get a whole lot of um, gray matter, ambiguity there, commenting on anonymous guys that we think might be of a certain race. We don't even know who they are. That they, I mean, that... I think, I think we're kind of off the uh, off the off the rails a little bit on that one. All right, all right. I'd like to hear from our friends
1: at WIP on this. And speaking of uh, later in the program, we're going to discuss what Elliot Shore Parks, our good friend from WIP, wrote about the importance of this game for Carson Wentz. Is it the most important game of his career, even though it's just a regular season game, a game in which they, the Eagles, are at least outgunned. ...on the roster in terms of healthy players. Speaking of the importance of a regular season game, you won't find a more important regular season game than what happened last night in Milwaukee between the Lakers and the Bucks. And this is one of the few games that I hope you all stayed up for. It sure as hell was worth it if you did not. We're going to break it down now with our good friend Steve Cerruti, the host of Scalin Pals, on the Radio.com app... Steve, good to see you, my friend. Happy Friday. I was so excited for this basketball game. I don't get really excited for regular season NBA games, but it sure felt like a playoff game. And, and you tell me, it felt like to every player on both of those teams, this was a very important statement game.
2: Yeah, well, thanks, guys, for having me on. It's great to be on the show. Um, I will say, you know, for all those people that missed maybe Thursday night football in the NFL, you were treated with what was a great game last <laughs> night on a Thursday night. So I hope all those people that were, you know, that, that didn't get to see like a Jaguars-Titans game were excited about uh, a really good matchup in the NBA. <laughs> and uh, so, listen, yes, it was a playoff atmosphere. It was a lot of fun. I said yesterday on, on our show that I thought it meant – I thought it probably meant more to the Bucks. I don't think the Lakers really have anything to prove. I mean, there are people that are going to be out there and say that, you know, Anthony Davis – uh, has only won one playoff series in his career, and which is accurate, but he's really never had the the, the team around him or obviously play with a guy like LeBron James. So I don't think they had a ton to prove, but I do think that they wanted to go out and show. I think LeBron wants to win the MVP this year. I, wanted, I think he wanted to show that he was still maybe a better player than Giannis, and Giannis really stole the show last night. And the Bucs are a really impressive team. We look at them and we go, oh, it's just Giannis and a bunch of guys, but... I do like those bunch of guys. I mean, they don't have an Anthony Davis, they don't have another superstar, but they 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 are really deep. They've got a lot of guys that can just knock down shots, and not a lot of teams in league can say that. So yes, it was a playoff atmosphere last night. I was really impressed with the Bucks, and most importantly, I was really imp- impressed with Giannis, a guy who is probably looking like he's going to repeat as MVP this year, knocking down five of his eight threes and a lot of them from like you know deep, deep, 27 plus feet. So it was a hell of an atmosphere last night. A great win for the Bucks, and and in a, a a game that I think the Bucs probably wanted to win a little bit more than the Lakers.
1: Yeah, yeah, it just, it just felt really important to both of these teams And look, LeBron has made no secret This regular season really matters to him He's not going with the load management thing But the question I have about this Lakers team is obvious And it's off the bench It was 34-4, Bucks mm-hmm. bench scoring over the Lakers How much of a weakness is that a liability for this Lakers team?
2: I think it's a little bit of a liability. I mean, obviously they didn't have Kyle Kuzma last night who um, you know, is arguably a starter or a bench player depending on, you know, what what the matchup is and I think, you know, he would knock somebody else to the bench. They've got they're okay. I mean, I think they're 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 actually probably deeper than I thought their front core obviously with Dwight Howard coming off the bench. Javel McGee is really good. I think they could probably use another reliable scorer playmaker type. I mean, cuz you wouldn't look at Rajon Rondo as that way. Contavius Caldwell-Pope's not a guy. I mean, he had he's had some good games uh, recently and he's looked better than maybe a lot of people thought that he would be, uh, but I do think they could probably use another scoring option, playmaker off the bench. I mean, obviously, Andre Iguodala is the guy that everybody's talking about when it comes to the trade deadline. The, the, the Grizzlies are... Still holding out hope that they can get it, and they're probably going to get it. They they want to get something back from him. They're not just going to buy him out. And he's probably the number one name for both the Clippers and the Lakers as a guy to bring in a veteran who can, you know, he's versatile on both sides of the ball. But I think the Lakers probably need him a lot more than the Clippers do. So I think it is a problem. But we always knew this. I mean, the Lakers are going to be run. They they are run by their two stars. They're run by Anthony Davis and they're run by LeBron James. And everything that 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 the Lake all the Lakers' success that they have is set up by those two guys. And they had okay games last night, not great. Anthony Davis was not great from three. LeBron had a triple-double, but I still think that he wasn't playing to peak LeBron that we've seen this year. So I think they're just going to, I mean, they could certainly use another guy off the bench, some more scoring, but I think they're just, they're going to live and die off of those two guys. And I mean, I had them in the finals. I had them winning the finals because I think that they, I think they're the best duo in the league. And I just, I'm going to ride with those guys, the you know, for, for, for the whole year. But um, I think, you know, I, they could use a guy. I don't know if they'll get one, but I don't think it's necessarily an Achilles heel that they don't have enough scoring off the bench.
0: Saruti, good to talk with you, man. I enjoyed uh, (laughs) listening to you from time to time at your previous stop. So congrats on the gig. Radio.com sports and good to actually get a chance to talk with you. So, you know, I'm an NFL guy. I'm a football guy. I don't really get into the NBA until after the (laughs) Super Bowl, if we're being honest. I mean, I pay attention. I know what's going on. But part of that also, Saruti, is so often – it feels like regular season games don't mean that much. I know you said that it means more for the Bucs than it does for the Lakers, but can you sell me on it really meaning anything? I mean, we already know they're both good. They're in different conferences. We already know they're both going to at least probably be in the conference finals in their respective conferences. So I guess I'm having a tough time really caring about that, (laughs) that much about last night's game. Tell me if I'm
2: wrong. No, I mean that's you're right. That is that is sort of the problem with the league is that the, the regular season has been completely devalued. It's all about championships. It's almost like the jortification of 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 sports, really, and specifically the NBA, where it's like nothing else matters but winning titles. And the one thing that I'll push back on you with like, you're you're hundred percent right. Like both of these teams are probably going to be in the conference finals. I, I had Bucks Lakers as the final. I don't think necessarily a Buck's win means anything. It means that you know, it's not going to mean anything come June if these two teams meet uh, meet up in the finals. I will say that LeBron, I think, going into this year, does care about the regular season more than he might have in the past because this is the first this is the first summer where I think you know maybe since the Steph Curry couple years when he won back-to-back MVPs where people are really questioning whether or not LeBron had lost a step or whether or not he was still the best player in the league obviously Kawhi is coming off of a finals win and a finals MVP you've got Giannis who's the reigning MVP and people are saying hey is is LeBron still that dude can he still be that dude so from a from a fan perspective all right yeah maybe this game it, it won't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things cuz i think by the time these two teams if they do end up playing in june they're probably going to they're probably going to be different teams by then but i do think from a player's perspective I think LeBron cares. I think he wants to win the MVP this year. I think he's he would be 34. I think he'd be the second or third oldest guy to win it. And he wants to... I mean, you see it on Instagram and Twitter all the time, guys. He's doing the, the hashtag Wash king thing. Like he hears the narrative about him not being as good as he... Uh, people thinking he's not as good as he used to be. So I do think he cares about the regular season. And Giannis as well. I, Giannis has mo- said multiple times, load management, I don't care, I want to play, I'm playing, I'm playing. And he has, to this point, sort of proved that correctly. Really the only team that is aggressively load managing players right now is the, is the Clippers and with you know, obviously it's with Kawhi Leonard and, and uh, Paul George, Paul George is coming off a shoulder injury. So you're, you're right in that it doesn't really mean anything in the, in the grand scheme of things, but I think it was just a game that we could enjoy and hopefully something that we could look forward to come June when we maybe see these teams in the finals.
0: All right. So I want to get on the LeBron thing and the load management thing, because he's pretty old now and he's been playing forever And he's still a pretty big dude. I know he came out and said, I'm not doing load management. If I'm healthy, I'm playing and people come to see me. But do you really think that that is the best strategy, knowing how long the playoffs are, knowing how long the the regular season is? Do you think that that is a smart strategy for him to not load management at all?
2: Oh, I, I I think if he plays 80 games this year, it's a, it's it's it would be dumb. I really do. I mean, I you know I still think he could win an MVP playing 70 plus, but if he he shouldn't be playing anywhere near 82 games. I mean, it does the regular season for his. I mean, I know we do this legacy talk thing. I don't always love the legacy talk thing, but let's be honest, guys. Like the only thing that matters for him is winning championships, and you know playing 80 something games in the regular season doesn't matter at all. And he is there as as great as he's looked at age 34. He's still 34 and going on 35, and he still has some mileage on him. He obviously, you know, last year he didn't, the Lakers didn't make the playoffs, so he got a a much-needed rest that he hadn't had in probably eight or so years. But you're 100% right. I I don't think there's any reason why he should be pushing himself to the limits in this regular season. And the ironic part about him and those comments the other day about load management and how he doesn't believe in it is, like, listen, I'm not going to knock LeBron for, for 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 games played because LeBron has played for the most part 70 plus games in almost all of his for almost his entire career but I mean do you guys remember a couple years ago when he was on I think it was his first year in Cleveland when he took like a two week break in the middle of January and February and just went to Miami and hang out and like kind of mentally and physically got himself right he wasn't necessarily injured he just kind of did that it was a hiatus he came back and ended up kind of killing it for the rest of the year that was a form of load management guys he took two weeks off in the middle of the season and it was honestly proved to be good for him it was a good thing for both he and the team, so I, I'm not a big load manager. Like I don't like, you know. I don't, I don't like that the Clippers have been sort of secretive about what the what the Kawhi load management things but I do understand it. Like, it makes sense to me. It makes sense to want to be fresh for the playoffs because ultimately for a lot of these guys, the regular season just does not matter the way that you should. It doesn't, winning MVPs and winning and, and scoring titles, like, it only really matters to guys like James Harden. And look at the success. I'm not saying they're tied together, but look at the playoff failures that James Harden has had. So if I'm LeBron, there's no way, there's no way I'm exerting myself for anywhere near 80 games this season.
1: Talking to Steve Cerruti, the host of Scalin Pals. You mentioned James Harden. Well, it looks like the experiment is beginning to work. Rockets over the Clippers in Los Angeles tonight, and you know it last night. And it's amazing with Harden these days. He puts up 50 points, no one even blinks. How do you put his offensive greatness in perspective? And is that experiment beginning to work? Are they a legit contender in the West?
2: Uh, I would say no to the last to the last question there. I, you know, listen, yeah. i I was so I thought that they would be a really good regular season team. I think Mike Dantoni has proven Rockets head coach has proven that he's been able to get the most out of his teams in the regular season, even if the if the pieces don't necessarily fit. My question about the Rockets has always been in the playoffs and whether or not Russell Westbrook is going to hit open shots and he hasn't yeah. really done it a ton this year because we, we know what's going to happen come playoff time. Um, the, the defense ramps up, the rotations shrink, and those two are going to have to probably be on the court together, maybe more than they are right now. And the ball is, is going to be in James Harden's hand. It's going to be in J- James Harden is the guy. He's the he's a, he's an MVP. Um, he's the he's the scoring champion. Like that is the leader of the Rockets team. He the ball is going to be in his hands no matter what. And yeah, there are going to be times when Russ is going to do his thing, but for the most part, Russ is going to have to hit open shots in the playoffs, specifically open threes in the playoffs. And for the last four years, Russ has just not been able to do that. He's a bad spot up shooter. Um, I mean, he's a bad shooter in general, really. I know he's kind of figured it out a little bit lately, but in the early part of that season, it was looking horrific. So I just – I have major questions about how that team fits together uh, in the playoffs. I, I think they're going to be a good regular season team. They'll probably figure it out. They'll probably end up finishing as a top four seed in the Western Conference just because of how talented they are and with the system that D'Antoni runs. But I just I, – you know, and I, I'm a, I'm a Russ apologist guys. Like I, I, I really am. I mean, I, I love watching him. I know the flaws are there. I just love how hard he plays. Um, and even if, even if he's a flawed player, I still respect the heart and hustle that he brings there, but I just don't see him hitting, hitting enough open shots come playoff time for this team to really go on a title run.
0: All right. So I want to stay on Harden Cerruti for a second. Cause I, I find him fascinating everything about him, the style of play. So, he has the ball in his hands all the time. You know, they don't let you be as physical as on defense as they used to back in the day. And he either creates for himself or creates for somebody else. Like, are you blown away by what he's able to do night in night out? Or do you look at it and say, you know what? I could name 10 guys now and over the course of the last 20 years that could do the same thing if they happen to be the guy that D'Antonio said, Mike D'Antonio said, you're you're the guy. Here you go, Mike D'Antonio. You're my guy. It feels like whoever he appoints as the guy is almost able to do this or something close to this.
2: You're right. I mean, look at Steve Nash and and those Phoenix Suns teams in the 2000s. I mean, he was – Turned him in. Not that Steve Nash wasn't a great player, but turned him into a two-time MVP because of how great his system is. I Scal gets mad at me because I I hate watching James Harden. I really do. It's not that I don't respect his game. I just. I hate watching. There's no ball movement. It doesn't look like any of the players are really that engaged. I mean, other than like P.J. Tucker, everyone's basically just standing on the three point arc waiting for the ball to yeah. maybe come to them. And it's really hard. I mean, I mean, listen, it's really hard if, you, if you're if you're playing your if you're playing your ass off on defense and you're and you're, you know, ma- you know, making multiple efforts to try to do things and you're not getting the ball on offense. That's a really hard thing over the course of 82 games to do to not get rewarded for the things that you're doing on the other side of the court. So you know, I, you know, it seems like those guys, like they, they, they like Harden. I'm not saying they don't like Harden or anything like that or don't like playing with him, but that does wear on you. And, you know, the scoring is great, okay? I, I'm not going to sit here and say – I'm not going to sit here and try to downplay it, but if you look at the adva- uh, the advanced numbers – Giannis is just as great per 36 minutes at scoring as as James Harden is they're both averaging about a point per possession so Giannis is just playing less minutes so it's not like you know if if Giannis wanted to go out and average 40 Giannis could probably go out and average 42 now it would would look like a very different 40 a lot of that would be you know dunks and and just being dominant in the paint whereas Harden's obviously doing a lot of that from the outside Um, so it, it is great but it's not like it's unprecedented and again I don't want to be a hater, but I guess I'm going to come off as being a hater. We've seen it. We've seen it fail multiple times in the playoffs. We've seen this style yeah. and his style fail miserably many times, whether it's being up 3-2 against the Rockets, whether it's game six against the Spurs, um, what, what was that, you know, five, six years ago where he just was a complete no-show. Um, there, and there's a number of different reasons for why that is the case. Now, do I think they're incapable of winning a title? No, I think James Harden's good enough to yeah. win a title, but I don't think... And I'll say this, Ross. To your point too, I don't think there are like a handful of other guys that can do what what Harden is doing right now. My my point though is that I don't know if what he's doing equates to winning championships. And I think at the end of the day, that's the biggest problem with his game.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm i with you in the skeptical column. Talking to Steve Sarudi, the host of Scallon Pals. Um, apologies here for asking you a. Sensitive question. I'm curious how you're going to cover on Scallon Pals, a guy who has won a couple of championships, Steph Curry. Uh, did you see what happened there? Why he's trending on Twitter this morning?
2: Uh-oh, I did not. Whoa, what did I miss?
1: Okay. I'm, well, you missed a lot. You may want to be careful how much, uh, oh, no. how closely you look I just for looked up. this story. Okay. Th- there is um, there's a lot out there on Steph Curry this morning. I'm not sure how it got out there, but it should make for some interesting content for Scalin Pals, not what Steph Curry wanted out there about him on Twitter. So let me then skip past that towards college basketball and the big story in the country. James Wiseman is done at Memphis after three games. He's a 20 and 10 guy, but he only played three games. We believe he is a top three pick in the NBA draft. He gets the 12-game suspension because of Penny Hardaway giving him 11-5 when he was a high school coach. Well, Penny is a booster because he gave a million dollars to the alma mater Memphis, where he is now the head coach. My question to you is, what does the NCAA learn here? They chase away a premier talent who basically says, I'm not going to pay back $11,500. I'm going to do what's best for the business of James Wiseman. Is this a breaking point for the NCAA? And what is your takeaway from this whole mess?
2: Well, I don't know if it's a breaking point because I think there's it's already it's already in the works to sort of have this one and done thing go away because it's clearly not working. Um, these guys don't want to be in college, and I don't, I'm, I'm not blaming them. I don't. If they don't want to be there, there's no reason why we, why we should make them go to college. When in just about every other walk of life, you're able to go pro, and if you're good enough, you're able to go pro. Now, a lot of guys, we see a lot of other guys going overseas. Um, the one thing that I think the NBA is going to want to do in the next couple of seasons, and I think it's I think they want to do this in probably by 2022, is what uh, is what we've heard is that they're going to basically open up the G League and make that make more two-way contracts and have guys go straight to the league, maybe not straight to the NBA, but into the G League where they can get paid, they can play professional basketball and sort of work their way up and not have to go the college route. I don't understand guys the, you know, I'm not and I'm not one of these people that's like an NCAA hater, but I also don't understand mm-hmm. what the point of them going after guys like James Wiseman is. Like yeah. do they like you, we all the people that want to watch the NCAA tournament, want to watch a team like Memphis that with James Wiseman, this skilled 7-footer who Potentially could be the number one pick in the draft. We don't know. I mean, it's kind of up in the air whether it's you know Lamelo Ball, obviously, who's playing overseas, um, the kid from Georgia. So there's, it, it is sort of up in the air, and he's one of the most skilled guys. You want you want to see that guy in March Madness. So why why the NCAA goes out of their way to sort of try to you know punish this guy and kick him out? It, it just it doesn't make any 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 real sense to me. But but we have to remember, it is an NBA rule. The one and done rule is an NBA rule. It is not an NCAA rule. So. Technically, it is the N the NBA that is putting the NCAA in this position. Now, the NCAA doesn't help themselves by any means, by the way that they sort of legislate and, and give out punishments for it. But I, you know, th- whether or not. Whether or not uh, Penny Hardaway was a booster or not for James Wiseman, like who cares? Like all we want to do as basketball fans is watch him play, and I don't blame him whatsoever for just saying, you know, what? I don't need you guys. Screw this. I'm gonna go and work out on my own because that's not gonna hurt his draft stock. Like NBA teams and NBA guys that yeah. are that, that 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 have top five or so picks aren't gonna look at this and go, oh, he's a quitter. He quit at Memphis. They're gonna go, yeah, it's a stupid system, and he's super talented, so we're gonna take him anyway because we're gonna take the talent and try to get him in our building. So the NCAA is really only shooting themselves in the foot here. They're not harming anybody else, and I. Don't don't understand why they keep doing this, but it looks like there is some sort of end in sight for that uh, coming in 2022.
1: I hate to keep agreeing with you, Matt, but the only one who's hurt here are we the fans, because he's one of a handful of players in college basketball right now that I want to see play. I don't I mean, we don't know the names of these guys. Number one teams get knocked off on a regular basis right now by unranked teams. There are a handful of guys we want to see play. And the NCAA is the reason we're not. It sucks.
2: And, and I'll and I'll say this really quick too. I mean, just just yeah. just for a a pro NCAA, I guess, argument. It's not really a pro argument, but I know like these these kids do benefit from going to college in some ways. Like look at look at Zion Williamson last year. And Ross, I'd be interested to get your perspective on this. But like Zion Williamson is not Zion Williamson right now. The 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 multi-million dollar Nike endorsement and the, the basically the the you know the, the the famous guy, one of the most famous basketball players on earth. If he didn't go to Duke last year, right? Like, Duke helped him (laughs) make his image what it is now. So it's not like these colleges – it's not like these kids get nothing out of the college. And if if Wiseman went on a deep run in March and they end up cutting down the Nets and winning a Final Four, maybe winning a national championship, his stock goes up because of that. And and it wouldn't do that if he was playing in Australia or Italy or wherever some of these guys are playing or in the G League, for example. So – there is a benefit to playing in the NCAA. I am obviously pro. I think these guys should be able to make money off their likeness. I'm not really sure about paying athletes. I'm not sure how we would really get there financially. But we, we also shouldn't pretend, even though the NCAA is kind of shooting themselves in the foot, we, we, we can't pretend that the NCAA doesn't help these kids as well.
0: So, Rudy, it's a really good point. Uh, Zion used Duke's brand and Duke's national TV exposure to make tens of millions of dollars that he otherwise wouldn't have. And he earned it and he's awesome. And yes, he should still switch to tight end, but that's another story for another day. (laughs) Um, But I love that dude. Uh, But he doesn't become the star he became if he's playing somewhere else. Now, Wiseman, they say he might be the number one pick. So I don't know if playing this year would have helped his draft stock per se, but absolutely in terms of branding and marketing plus what people forget Saruti, is these guys go to a whole semester of college that's like 8 credits towards their degree
2: <laughs> they're killing it they're, i'm sure i'm sure they're taking advanced level you know uh, ap classes i mean well. they're they are the
0: only they they are only three and a half years away from their degree after they stopped going to class in January. Think about that. I mean that they wow. are getting they are getting twelve credits of legitimate college education too. <laughs> right. Right. You yeah. know. It was a very
1: interesting point you made about Zion. And you're right. And and Wiseman, quite frankly, because of all this controversy, is now the biggest name in college basketball. It's been really awesome having you on, brother. We appreciate the time. And we will be watching the show in, what do we got? Uh, Just a couple of hours. Steve Cerruti from Scal and Pals on the radio.com app. Uh, Good luck with Steph Curry.
2: Thank you. I just looked it up. So you guys kind of <laughs> ruined my morning, but I appreciate that. Thank you.
1: Well, then I should say you're welcome, Steve. Good to have you, my friend. Merry Christmas.
2: Thanks guys. You too. Happy <laughs> holidays. Take it easy guys.
1: Real quickly, Ross, we got to get to a break. Did Did you see what's out there about Steph Curry?
0: After you said it to him, I, uh, I Googled it. I, I, I know why he's trending. I did not try to look up the pictures of why he's trending For people that are listening or watching us live, I feel like we should probably tell them there yes. are pictures on the internet that are supposedly of Steph Curry's penis. There is some debate whether or not it's really his penis. And it's about all I have to say on that subject. Other than if it really is. Well, look, either way, really, Dave, people yeah. should be sued, right? Like if someone took pictures of his penis in the locker room and posted on social media, they should be sued. If someone's saying that it's his penis on social media and it's not, they should also be sued. Either way, there should be a lawsuit, but you know what? Nowadays, I I don't know who's the first one to put them, you know, to post them, Dave, but it might be somebody who's got nothing comes from nothing they can't, you know, what, what are you going to take from them? What's Steph Curry going to get in a lawsuit from them anyway?
1: Yeah, it, it, there are going to be a lot of legal layers to an ugly story for Steph Curry. Um, if you if you choose to search Twitter, the picks are everywhere. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about more on this Eagles-Dallas-Cowboys matchup. Is this the most important game of Carson Wentz's career? Will it decide the fate of of the Cowboys head coach? Or is it more important for Dak Prescott, on the other hand? Corey Majors, 105.3 The Fan, in Dallas, joins us after the break. Hey,
0: everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day exclusively on the radio.com app, or on the web at radio.com/home.